Hello, I'm Rod Butler. Welcome to Let God Speak. It's a tragic fact that expressions of death are seen everywhere, from the leaves that fall from the trees, the flowers that fade in our vases, the cuddly pets which die, to our loved ones that pass away. Our world is full of suffering and unwiped tears. But there is hope. God promises a future perfect world with no more tears, pain or death. Our program today starts a new series of studies on the existence of sin and death and God's plan to solve the problem and bring the world back to its original perfect condition. So have your Bibles ready as we go way back to the beginning and discuss rebellion in a perfect universe. On our panel today, we have Morgan Vincent and Kylie Fisher. Welcome, Morgan. Welcome, Kylie. Before we start our discussion, let's bow for prayer. Gracious Father, we're going to discuss rebellion in a perfect universe and ask for the Holy Spirit to direct our discussion. May the Holy Spirit give, our, give us and our viewers understanding to this important topic. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Genesis 1 describes God's sublime creation of the heavens and the earth. And we're going to read Genesis 1 verse 32 to start our discussion. And it says, And God saw that everything he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Kylie, what does it say? It pronounces the creation was very good. What does it say about the character of God that the creation was very good? Well, I think that this really expresses and shows us what God is like. I like to think of it like an artist and their artwork. Often with an artist, their artwork tells you something about them. And um, so in 1 John 4 and verses 8 and verse 16, these verses tell us about the key quality in the character of God. It says in verse eight, he who does not love does not know God for God is love. And verse 16, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. So the perfect creation shows us that God is love. Yeah, and the beauty and the form and the function of that creation. So Morgan, God by its very nature, sorry, love by its very nature is uh, relational. How does that relational aspect reflect itself in creation? Mm. We see from the outset, Rod, uh, in Genesis 1.1, it says that in the beginning, God, God created. And, you know, we, we could see that as being just a, God being a singular unit. But the, the Hebrew word Elohim, so in the beginning, Elohim created. It's this plural name for God. And so we find there that there are these three persons of the Godhead, the Father, Son and Spirit, who uh, are interacting within this dynamic of, of other centered love. And that love, we could say, overflows in the creation of, of, of that Genesis account there. And so God doesn't program us to love him, uh, but rather he creates us with that freedom, that love to be able to then respond with love back to him as well. Mm, very good. Now, we, we get to some more difficult parts about the character of God. In the Old Testament, we have a God who is um, destroying the world with a flood. 
is destroying Sodom and Gomorrah by, by fire. How, does, how do we understand these actions to be from a loving God? Yeah, look, I think that those are probably some of the most difficult parts of the Bible to understand in terms of um, thinking about God and God being love. And I've certainly met a lot of people that have questioned, how can this be a God of love? And uh, another question that I've come across is, uh, you know, how is it that, you know, in the Old Testament, sometimes it seems that God is so vindictive and harsh. And yet in the New Testament, we see Jesus and he's healing people. He's full of mercy. He's forgiving people's sins. And it seems sometimes, you know, at first mm. glance, when we look at these stories, it seems like, you know, they don't match up and, and that these stories don't really show us the love of God. But I guess ultimately love is actually quite complex. And I think as well in terms of, you know, the consistency of God's character that, um, that uh, Malachi 3 verse 6 says that I am the Lord, I change not. And in Hebrews 13 verse 8, it says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. So, so there's, I think when we look at those stories of Sodom and Gomorrah, even in those stories, we actually still do see God's mercy because uh, Noah and his family were saved. Lot and his family were saved. And in fact, if the people had accepted God's message, everyone could have been saved, but it was actually freedom of choice. So it once again comes back to, as Morgan was saying, that freedom of choice. Here was God giving freedom of choice, even though he says that he has no pleasure in the death of the one who dies. Mm. So he gives us free choice, even when that free choice leads us to make decisions other than the ones that he would want us to make. And, and it says in the New Testament, Jesus says to Thomas, he that's seen me has seen the Father. Mm. We know what Christ was like, and the Father is the same. Mm. Well, let's talk about this freedom to choose. Um, how important to God, Morgan, is this right for His creation, for humans to be able to, to be able to choose? Yeah, it's it's central to His nature because you know God would cease to be a God of love if He did not not only give that freedom, but also uh, respect that as well. And and I want to read from John chapter fourteen. In verse 15, and Jesus here says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Or it's quite literally saying, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And so there's this, this emphasis on us voluntarily choosing to love God. Uh, elsewhere in the scriptures, it speaks of, you know, we love God because he first loved us. And so it's so central that God doesn't force us. He doesn't force us to love him, but rather that we would respond voluntarily. Uh, out of the goodness of his character and love to us. Yeah, most people would understand that you can't force someone to love, to love you. It just doesn't work at all. <laughs> now, some people believe that, um, that evil prevails in the world because God may not, may not be powerful enough to, uh, to prevent it. What, what's your thoughts on that, Kylie? I think First Chronicles 29 verse 11 has um, something really relevant here. It says here, uh, yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power and the glory, the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. So, you know, um, God is the master designer and the creator of creation. Creation. So because he has created everything, he is all powerful. So it's not that he's lacking in power, but it's just that he 
chooses to allow us to have free choice. Mm. Yeah. Yes, important. Now, Genesis chapter three, um, we have a very interesting chapter here because it introduces the talking serpent. It introduces um, a being that contradicts God, that is calling God a liar and, and deceives Eve. We want to talk now about um, this talking serpent. What beings existed before humans that, mm. would, that would have defied God, that would have exercised the freedom of choice? Yeah, look, Rod, it's, it's a worthwhile question asking and, and seeing what the Bible has to say about it. And, and I want to read from uh, the book of Job, uh, Job chapter 38, and I'll read from verses 4 down to 7. And, and it says this, uh, God here is speaking to Job, uh, and, and God says, Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. God here, it's, it's not from a place of arrogance, but just almost, you know, revealing to Job that, you know, he's, he's sovereign over all, all creation. Verse five goes on to say, who determined its measurements? Surely, you know, or who stretched the line upon it? Verse six, to who, uh, sorry, to what were its foundations fastened or who laid its cornerstone? And verse seven is the key here. When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. And so here from verse seven, Rod, we, we find that, you know, these these morning stars or, or, or these angels, as we'll see from other texts in Scripture, they existed before the world was created. So that's an insight, a key insight into, um, yeah, this this creation narrative. So angels existed before humans were created. Okay, I want to turn now to First Peter. This is a well-known verse. First Peter, chapter five and verse eight. It says, "Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour." Kylie, what type of being is Satan? So in uh, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 14, that really gives us the answer there. It says, and no wonder for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. So Satan is an angel. So Satan is an angel and he's our adversary. Okay, Ezekiel chapter 28 gives some amazing insight into this angel, um, Satan. And in Ezekiel 28, verses 1 to 10, it talks, talks about the king of Tyre. Now, the king of Tyre was a rich and pr- powerful uh, king. He was very proud. And he claimed that he was a god. And not only was he a god, he claimed that he uh, sat on the throne of the gods. And then we get to Ezekiel 28, verses 12 to 19, and it uses the historical reality of the king of Tyre to contrast that with Satan in heaven. So, Morgan, question mm. to you. What do we learn about Satan, uh, the angel in heaven, from verses 12 to 14? Mm. In, in a nutshell, we learn a lot. And, and I'll read the passage and, and just share some, um, some insights from it. And so verse 12 says, Son of man, take up the lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, thus says the Lord God. And, and before I go on, Rod, I just want to bring out the past tense of what's about to be read here. It says, you were the seal of perfection, full of beauty and uh, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardius, the topaz, the diamond, beryl, onyx and jasper, sapphire, turquoise and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you 
on the day you were created. And so here we're seeing that, that this being was, was full of wisdom, was perfect in beauty, was, you know, incredible to look at. And, and here was, you know, covered with just such, you know, an incredible picture. I mean, try and picture, you know, all of these precious stones covering this, this angelic being. Um, you know, music, like a musical being as well. Um, but verse 14 goes on and it says, You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. And, and this is fascinating because verse 12 alludes to the fact that this, he was created wise, beautiful and perfect. And then from verse 14 as well, we, we see that how proximate and how close this angel was to God. Um, they're in the very presence of God. They're walking on the holy mountain with God. It, it goes to show that, that this angelic being, that, that Satan was, um, had so many privileges, opportunities, was there with God, but something went wrong. Mm. Well, that's something that went wrong. Verse 15, tell us about that, Kylie. Yes, so Ezekiel 28, verse 15, it says, you were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. So yes, sin actually originated with with Lucifer, you know, the highest of God's, uh, God's creation, this perfect and beautiful being. And uh, we might wonder, well, how did this happen? And the thing is, that actually is a mystery. Second Thessalonians talks mm. about it as the mystery of iniquity. We, we just can't really explain how this could happen other than that Satan perverted his own free will. Mm. Yeah, very sad. It, it, it's hard to get your head around, as you described, Morgan, this being of incredible beauty and also the proximity mm. to, the, to God himself um, he was exposed to everything that was wonderful um, and yet chose something different. Mm. Um, as you say, Kyle, it's a, it's a mystery we can't get our head around. And the very fact that sin could, could originate in such a place, mm. I guess, highlights the deadliness, the danger of sin today. Well, let's keep reading then. Uh, back to you, Morgan. What insights can you pick up from verse 17? Yeah, I'll read verse 17 and it says, Your heart, still speaking of, of, of the same being here, your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. That to me is key here. You know, your heart was lifted up or, or exalted or it was proud because of your beauty. And, and, and here Satan, he, he, he begins to take the focus away from God and away from others. And he begins to look upon himself. He begins to see his own beauty and, and almost thinks, oh, well, I, I, I'm, I'm this perfect being. I'm, I'm the one who should be. And, and the more he, this, now we're reading here, and I think it's worthy to note, Rod, that there's a process that's going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, and and as, as Satan is looking at himself more and more and more, he begins to realize, well, you know, why shouldn't I be the one? You know, why am I not the one who is the center of the universe? And so it goes on and it says, you were corrupted. Uh, you corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. And I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings that they might gaze upon you. And so here it's, it's as though he develops this big head, this, this narcissism, this selfishness, mm. pride, you know, all of these other words, these synonyms 
this is where it's stemming from, selfishness. Mm. Again, the, uh, the highlighting the, the deadliness of pride, mm. um, which is where the sin originated. Okay, um, the book of Isaiah also tells us about this, uh, this angel which went astray, uh, Lucifer. I want to um, refer everyone to chapter 14. Now, Kylie, in chapter 14, what kingdom is represented here as representing uh, Satan? Okay. Yes. So in Isaiah 14 and verse four, it says, you will take up this proverb against the king of Babylon and say how the oppressor has ceased, the golden city ceased. So here Babylon uh, represents Satan and represents his kingdom. So in scripture, Jerusalem represents God's kingdom. Um, Babylon represents Satan's counterfeit kingdom. Babylon was a very powerful kingdom in the time of Isaiah and Ephesians 2 verse two actually says that Satan is the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. And so and so as we were saying before, you know, his his characteristics were seen in the king of Tyre, was also seen in the kingdom of Babylon. And they, those kings were uh, uh, very exalted in their thinking. Exactly. Yeah. So, Morgan, how did this proud and arrogant spirit uh, in Satan manifest itself? How did it sort of show itself, reveal itself? Mm. I'll read again, Rod, and, and this time I'm in Isaiah um, chapter 14, and I'll go down to verses 12. And it says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you were cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, and, and note here the I will, the I will, the I will mm-hmm. statements. It says, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farther sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. And here we can see that because of the wisdom he has, the beauty, the closeness to God, he, he, he wants the worship. He wants the glory. And within these statements, he's, he's insinuating that, that God is a self-serving God that doesn't care about his creation. And the, the interesting thing here is that he is wanting to be in that place of God. You know, he wants the, he wants the power that God has, but he's not prepared to dis- display the character that God has, being, you know, a God of, of love as well. And I think it's worthy to note that God created Lucifer, this, this perfect angelic being, you know, this light bearer, but then Lucifer, through his own actions, his own decisions, the, the misuse of the free will that God gave him, then turns into Satan. So it shows the importance of the choices that not just he made, but also we make as well. Yes, because some people have said that God created evil, which is That's not, right. the, not mm-hmm. the case. He created perfection, yes. but he allowed free will mm. with a possibility that someone may choose against God, mm. which is what happened. Well, Kylie, what was the, the outcome of Satan or Lucifer's delusions? It in was quite different to what he intended. So in verse 15, continuing on in Isaiah 14, verse 15, yet you should be brought down to Sheol to the lowest depths of the pit. Um, so yeah, from the highest estate to which he aspired, Satan was cast down to the lowest depths. And Proverbs also, uh, Proverbs 16 verse 18 says pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Mm. So that was the outcome, I guess. Now, we spoke earlier about, you know, sin has consequences. 
Morgan, what were the consequences of Satan's actions? Mm. Uh, again, Rod, I'll, I'll, we'll turn to what the Bible says. And in Revelation 12, verses 7 to 9, it says, And war broke out in heaven, seemingly the most unlikely place for war to break out. Mm. It goes on and says, Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. Verse 9 says, So the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. And so here the, the consequence of the misuse of this freedom was that Satan, but also the angels that sided with him. And verse four earlier in Revelation 12 indicates that, you know, a third of these angels, a third of these stars were, were on his side. They were cast out of heaven. Um, we cannot begin to underestimate how great a consequence that was, mm. you know, cast mm. out from the presence of, of perfection and beauty and mm. God's presence. Kylie, Revelation 12, 7 refers to Michael. Who do we understand Michael to be? Yeah, so Michael is a, a name used in apocalyptic prophecy for Christ. And we can look at Jude 9. We can also look at 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, um, which talks about Christ as the archangel raising the dead. And we can also look at the book of Daniel, um, which refers to the son of man um, and to Michael, the great prince. So Michael is Christ represented as the commander of the angels. So we have this war in heaven. We have this war where you've got Michael, uh, the command of the angels, and you have another force, which are angels, I guess, who have thrown their lot in behind Satan. Mm. And we have this war. We need to discuss uh, the nature of this war. You know, was this a war with you know, tanks and guns? What sort of war yeah. was this? So question to you, Morgan, what was this war all about? Mm. This, this really is the big question, you know, to talk about. And going back to, to Ezekiel 28, Rod, I'll, I'll read from verse uh, 16. And it says here, by the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within you and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God. And I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. And so here in verse 16, it refers to, you know, the abundance of your trading. And, and we'll look at that as, as we go on. But here, the earthly kingdom of Tyre, it, it gained its wealth uh, from sea trading. Uh, and this is the, the reference that is made within Ezekiel 28. It sent its ships all over the place, all over the Mediterranean. It interacted with other you know, nations and empires and kingdoms. Um, it interacted, therefore, with all people you know, within the then known world. And in a similar way, Ezekiel uses this as an illustration to say that this is like Satan. You know, he spreads his, his ideas, he spreads his influence you know, throughout the, the, the world. And we see this from the very outset in the Garden of Eden that Satan is looking to, to gain access into the world. Uh, and, he, and he does so through, um, through deceiving uh, when Eve ate the fruit and said that she wouldn't die. And so at the wisest, the most beautiful angel, Satan, goes about doing this. It's incredible to think of. It is. It's one thing to think that um, he would have delusions of grandeur about mm. himself, but to propagate that and to spread that and again, what does it say about the angels who believe that? Mm. Because they're trusting this being who's so close to God, they're trusting what he's saying. They're being deceived in, in a big way. This is very, very tragic. Mm. Collie, what else can we uh, say about what happened in heaven? 
Yeah, well, just sort of reflecting on what Morgan said, um, the, that particular word trading or merchandise, it's, um, it's clearly not talking about just trade, but, you know, just trading and exchanging goods. I mean, that's talked about other places in the Bible and, the, the, you know, it's not inherently wrong. But another meaning of that word, the actual Hebrew word, is that it can mean to go about. So, it's, you know, if somebody goes about gossiping and that's that's really what Satan was doing there. And, or, well, you know, Lucifer, who was now, you know, becoming Satan. And um, yeah, so also that fits in with John 8 verse 44, where Jesus says to the scribes and Pharisees, he says, you are of your father, the devil. And he says that, um, that the, Satan is the father of lies, you know, so he's going around spreading lies about God, really. Mm -hmm. Rod, I want to, to add in as well that um, in, in Revelation 12 and verse 7, it says that there was war in heaven. And we, you mentioned before that it mm -hmm. wasn't a war of you know, tanks and guns or, or mm -hmm. you know, swords and things like this. But the, the, the Greek word for, for war there is polemos, which is where we today get mm -hmm. words like politics from. And, and so it's interesting that this war is a war of ideas, a war of words themes, etc. And so no doubt, you know, within, within the current climate of the world today, we can see that it's, it's, it's a war of ideas. Yes, we've seen wars throughout history where there's been tanks and guns, etc. But we also see that there are these wars of ideas going on. You know, whose side are we on? Uh, whose thoughts are we believing? Yeah, just to add that in. It's an important point because we see today, again, with politics, that um, the media can be controlled Mm. And the media is is propagating the, the rumours on a vast scale to everyone. Mm. Mm. Uh, and if the media isn't telling the truth, um, then everyone gets falsehood. So, mm. uh, yeah, it's interesting that everything originated back in, back in heaven. So the question most people would ask would be, if evil existed and it was so terrible, why didn't God just stop it? Why didn't he destroy Satan at the time? Mm. Yeah, we'd be tempted to think that, yeah, if, there's a, if there was a red button you know, destroy all evil that God would just press it, but he didn't. Um, and I want to come back to, to John chapter 3 and verse 16. It says here that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17 says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. God would have rather allowed sin to be demonstrated before the universe because God would rather save the world than simply destroy it. But it also shows that the ideas that Satan was, was propagating about God, God would show himself to be just and true rather than simply destroying Satan and then the universe be, being even more curious as to whether maybe it's true what Satan was saying about God. So God chose to love. And this goes back to the full circle that God provides choice and God respects yeah. our choice and God is love. Well, thank you. That's all we have time for. Thank you, Morgan. Thank you, Kylie. Well, God is love and, and created a perfect world. But sin, as Kylie said, mysteriously arose in heaven in the mind of God's highest angel, Lucifer. This sin resulted in rebellion in heaven, which spilled over onto our planet. And while sin and death entered our world, Jesus defeated Satan at the cross and will one day soon return to bring eternal life to those who love him. Thank you for joining us on Let God Speak. Remember, all past programs plus teachers' notes are available 
on our website 3abinaustralia.org.au. Email us if you wish on LGS at 3abinaustralia.org.au. Join us again next time. Look forward to seeing you again and God bless. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.